Welcome to Rock Writes, where writers rock. I'm Katrina, one of your hosts. And I'm Sheila, the other part to this duo. Just for a refresher, or if you haven't checked us out before, Rock Writes is all about featuring authors writing and living in the Rochester, New York area. For this week's episode, we have an author who has one children's book out and a middle grade novel he's hoping to get published. I recently saw Glenn, our upcoming guest, tweet books for boys as a hashtag. I have read before that there are gender gaps when it comes to reading and girls tend to read more. It'll be interesting to hear what our guest has to say. So let's rock it. We'd like to welcome Glenn McCarty to the show. Hi, Glenn. Hi there. Hi, Glenn. Hi. Hi. Glenn is the author of the children's chapter book, Horace and Oscar Visit the Lake. He has written about stories and parenting at Story Warren and shares the magic of reading through speaking engagements, workshops, and hands-on writing classes. He's married has two small boys, and apparently has an obsession with Pixar. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Glenn? Oh, man. How long do you have? Um, <laughs> I, I think obsession is the right word. Yeah, it's, it's healthy, though, I assure you. It's completely healthy. <laughs> Who doesn't right. love a good children's story? I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you can learn a lot from, uh, from Pixar. All right. So uh, now let's start the interview. Uh, Sheila, you want to kick it off? Um, what's your writer's story? How did you become a writer? Um, I think I was a writing major in college and, um, nothing against writers, majors, writing majors in college, but I think you have a tendency, um, when you study writing at a very high level like that to sort of develop a bit of, um, self-importance about the kinds of subjects you write about, (laughs) um, (laughs) and how you should be writing about very important things. Uh, but when I took, uh, just kind of randomly as an elective my senior year of college, I took a children's literature class. Um, and uh, lots of amazing things happened, including getting introduced to Harry Potter for the first time. But um, it was just kind of getting back in touch with a lot of things that I had kind of forgotten about that I loved about writing stories for children. And so um, that kind of just started um, a process of working towards, you know, coming up with stories that I thought were good. And then, and this was before I had kids of my own or anything. And, um, I don't know. I just, I don't know if it's because I'm deep down, just pretty much a child of my, of myself or, (laughs) um, or what, but I just feel like I'm always kind of drawn to that kind of story. Um, whether it's the sort of learning about the world and Mm -hmm. discovering things about it. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think I wrote things early on that were not very good but um but necessary to write um and uh just had been very fortunate over the years to have developed some really great friendships with some really awesome writers who've been super generous in time and critique and all of that stuff um and uh you know i've written a couple of a couple of novel manuscripts that are still kind of hanging out in like cryogenic freezing or something yeah um but uh but just within the past uh, four or five years have um you know gotten a little bit more serious about sort of being a little bit more strategic about how to how to go about making sure these things get out into the world because that's what it's all about you know having an audience for stories oh yeah definitely so you and you published a children's book was it just last year your first one that was published is that right yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I definitely made a choice about a year ago to sort of attempt a different uh, path, I guess you'd say. Um, the traditional kind of 
get an agent, um, pursue publication through a big, big publisher thing was just really not, not working out for me. Um, yeah. and I wasn't, I wasn't ready to sort of throw in the towel completely, but I was just sort of like, let's, let's try, let's try a different path. And unfortunately had made some really good connections, um, with some people who were very generous with saying, you know, so you want to try indie publishing, um, you know, here's, here's the nuts and bolts and here's the kinds of things you need to know. And, and so, yeah, I did, I had written a story several years ago called Horace and Oscar visit the lake. Um, but, but was, um, kind of thinking about maybe using that as like a little bit of a, of a trial balloon kind of thing. You know, let's just, let's see if we can, I mean, it's, it's very short. It's like 2000 words. So I figured that's a very doable endeavor to sort of work with an illustrator and go through. And, and we just did that one um, as just an ebook only, uh, no print run or okay. anything. And so yeah. it seemed like a very manageable, small scale endeavor um, rather than trying to like, you know, launch this massive rocket into space. Let's just, you know, let's try doing something in the backyard kind of thing. So um, yeah, so, but it was, it was a lot of fun to do and working with the illustrator was great and, um, and have had some good feedback uh, from people who have read it and, liked it and I was able to do the audiobook for it and record that and um and that's oh, out cool. there too and yeah. and again people have it's been the response has been great to that. So yeah. Awesome. And how long did it take you to write that one? Um that was I would say pretty short. I mean, like I said, it's a short short story and um it's it's got an interesting backstory. I actually had a friend who posted he had a newborn baby. He posted this really awesome compelling photo online of this stuffed uh animal looking out this rainy window pane <laughs> and i just was captivated by this picture and i thought oh my gosh like that's that's got to be a story and so i kind of wrote the story to sort of i don't know it was almost like a little puzzle like a challenge like what kind of story would go with that picture and so um i don't know a couple months just to kind of yeah you know work it and revise it and then when it came time to get serious about publishing it you know there was the whole process of sending it out to a lot of people and getting a lot of good but sometimes painful feedback you know yeah. that kind yeah. of thing yeah hearing the inspiration behind stories sometimes is the coolest just you know the stuffed animal and how it spawned a whole book so it's awesome yeah that was pretty awesome now where did the idea for tumbleweed come from uh tumbleweed thompson um i think like my subconscious like you know, I I loved um, a certain kind of story a lot when I was, you know, the age of like a fourth, fifth, sixth grade boy, which was just kind of like goofy stories, fun adventure <laughs> stories with just humor, but also a little bit of mystery and danger. And so I think I had just kind of absorbed a lot of those and, you know, and Indiana Jones and those kinds of stories too. And anyway, and, and so I think like three or four years ago... Um, it just, I, I don't want to make it sound really like mystical and pretentious. Like it just came to me. <laughs> but like, I do just remember having this like vivid picture of like this just goofy, but really self-assured and like the kind of kid who, if you ran into him, you just thought he was super cool and whatever he told you that whatever he's going to try to rope you into, you were just going to go along with it. Cause he was just so charismatic and for some reason, the name like that he called himself anyway it was Tumbleweed, even though obviously that wasn't his real name. Like <laughs> just to imply, like I've I've been everywhere, I've I've seen everything, and he's like you know twelve years old, right? <laughs> um, but like I don't know, like just, just that seemed like a really good um, 
launching point for at the time that I started writing it, it was just sort of a series of like episodic stories, like just little adventures that he and this other kid who was sort of his foil, like this, wow, you know, like wide eyed. He's read a lot of books, but hasn't had a whole lot of adventures. Um, they seemed like good foil characters that could have a lot of adventures together. And, and it was really only after I had written three or four of those stories that, that, um, had a friend come to me who, who liked the stories and was involved in publishing. And he said, uh, you know, what if we, what if we tried to make this into more of a novel type story arc? Um, which is definitely kind of an unorthodox way to go about writing a novel, um, which is to take, you know, short stories and then try to think how, how that could be worked into a novel. But, right. uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was a good, it was a good process. Okay. That's cool. Well, um, Sheila and I kind of touched it, um, but we wanted to ask you about it. I saw you've been hashtagging your upcoming book as books for boys, um, mm -hmm. on Twitter. So, you know, why do you think this is an important audience to target? Yeah. I mean, I think I have two boys of my own and I think that having them grow up they're they're, um, 10 and eight, uh, and I think it's just kind of opened my eyes to like what is going on in like the mind and heart of a boy, which is this awesome mix of like, um, like go out and try things and really be, be, you know, like looking to have adventures and, and just see what happens. But also like this really sweet, caring, thoughtful, like heart. And, and for me, I, I'm certainly not like, trying to like pigeonhole i mean books for boys it's a fun hashtag and i have a heart for that but i think um I, I think i just have a real a real desire to put stories out into the world that would meet like both of those um parts of of my own boys and, and i think from what i from what i know from all the other families that i know that have boys that that really like that desire to be like a, a caretaker of the world you know like to try to to see wrong and to set it right and, and those kinds of things and, um, and do that out of a place of like, you know, integrity. And so, I mean, if I can help with, with, with this story and with any other stories that I would write to try to do that, um, then, you know, awesome, <laughs> you know, but certainly I've got, I've got a good friend and they have four girls at home and I'm like, you guys, you're going to love this story too. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny and it, it'll make you, you know, all those same things, but, I don't know. It's kind of a long answer, but that's kind of where my heart's at. No, I, I mean, I understand. I have a son who's six and he definitely likes certain things and the targeting of the gender, I think, um, works sometimes for certain kids, um, you know, and, and I just read it, you know, I read that girls read more than boys. So I was wondering if you're kind of coming from that, too. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like, I, I actually teach in my other life. I teach high school and and I think um, they do talk a lot about sort of um, there's that weird thing that happens as boys move up through middle school into into high school. They kind of get a little bit of squeezed out of the pipeline, so to speak, you know, like um, just trying to find any way possible to just maintain, uh, you know, because I, I do. I talk to a lot of my high school students who grew up loving reading and then something else kind of came along and, and took that place. And uh, right. and I mean, I'm. I'm a reader and I'm like, man, it's great. Like you should keep trying. It's really <laughs> yeah. good. Right. Um, don't, don't give up on it kind of thing. So. Yeah. Awesome. 
Have you had any obstacles you felt like you had to overcome just to write? Yeah, I think time, time is a big one for sure. Um, and I mean, I don't want to get too deep here, but like the, all the, the mental self doubt stuff, it just seems like both for myself and other writers that I know and talk to on a regular basis. Like, I don't know if you guys have read the war of art. Um, it's a really great book, uh, by Stephen Pressfield about like the mental psychological stuff that you have to kind of battle to, to do creative work. Um, and it's, that's definitely a thing. I mean, whether it's like, you know, putting so much of yourself into your work that like you, you live and die by like the, the um, feedback that you get, you know, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or whether it's um, just, you know, like sitting down, staring at a blank page and thinking, you know, like you're not going to be able to produce anything worthwhile or just any of that stuff. You know, I think that's, that's something that I've over the years uh, just, I I would hope to think that I've been able to sort of manage that kind of stuff a little bit better um, because it's, uh, you know, it's hard. I mean, to sort of like think I'm going to make something and it's going to be worthwhile. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's not a, it's not an easy thing. No, not at all. But I think if you're continuing to create, like you're overcoming it, but I, I just, what's the name of the book? I want to read it. <laughs> The Art of War. It's called The War of Art. Playing art. Yeah, sort of of playing the Art of War. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to look for it. (laughs) All right, so you've started a Kickstarter campaign for your upcoming Tumbleweed Thompson book. Can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to kind of go this route for funding it? Because I'm crazy, um, I think is the short (laughs) answer. Um, Kickstarter is awesome. Like, I think over the past couple years, I've had uh, some good friends who have been like uh, musicians or or writers, and I've sort of watched them go through it. And you know, I've learned about the financial aspect of it, but also just the like the community aspect of it is super cool. Um, I mean, obviously, like it's it is sort of terrifying to sort of think that you're gonna make this thing and, and just um, put it out there and, and hope that a lot of other people want to gather around it. But um, but it just seemed like from a like, why did I go into it standpoint, I think it seemed like at some point, you know, maybe a year ago or nine months ago, it seemed like the best route forward to be able to accomplish a few different goals um, with the book. And, uh, and I think, yeah, what I love about it is the fact that even as we started the campaign last Tuesday, um, and just within this week that we've, um, or so that we've had the, the campaign going, just so much great, like feedback from families and from people that I know, but haven't talked to in a while who have just said, we're, we can't wait to go to Rattlesnake Junction, which is the name of the fictional town that the, the story takes place in. Um, and just giving them a chance to like, hear a little bit of my heart and my story of, of writing and stuff. Um, has been an awesome advantage of Kickstarter. You, you get to kind of talk about your story in a way that um, is very authentic. And uh, that's like super vulnerable and kind of scary, but also can be an awesome way to connect with your, your people, you know, connect with your audience. Hmm. How, did, um, how did you connect with your illustrator or find your illustrator? Yeah, that is awesome. Um, Joe, Joe Sutphin, um, I've known for four or five years, um, maybe three or four years. And, 
we're just we're both involved with a really neat uh, nonprofit organization called the Rabbit Room, um, which is sort of based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and they they just try to bring people together who are all interested in making really awesome things and talking about really good stories. And so we've we've kind of met and talked, and he actually kind of in a weird coincidence um, when I wrote some of these short little tumbleweed stories for a website. Um, he contributed some illustrations for those three or four years ago. And so when the talk turned to the novel, he was like, like he was, was an awesome option. Um, mm-hmm. because he has a really, a very, very good, uh, very awesome style of like uh, the kind of vibe of like Americana, sort of like, um, Robert McCloskey or Garth Williams, some of these really like old school quintessentially American illustrators. Um, he has a really great style that evokes that but is totally his own um and so like it was just kind of a matter of uh kind of connecting on schedule at that point he was he's worked on uh james patterson had a little middle grade novel come out called word of mouse that joe worked on and so um he was yeah he was getting a lot of really good um options and so it really quick became geez i hope this will happen and just you know last fall we kind of just sat down and said let's try to make this work um, because there's nobody I would rather have um, working on this uh, than Joe Sutton. And, and so the plan is for him to do like 20 interior illustrations. So like one kind of every other chapter um, to really yeah. give it a whole other vibe than just, just the novel, but also these really awesome illustrations. That's cool. Yeah, I saw the cover. I'm assuming he did that so far and that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's He's great can collaborate with people you know and it's not like you just hired somebody it's somebody you actually have a connection with yeah we have had we had some great conversations about the cover and things like that that um yeah it's like a different kind of relationship than yeah. you know if you're the illustrator and there's an art director and there's a marketing person and all that stuff you know it's definitely it's definitely indie for sure we're wearing a lot of hats <laughs> yeah yeah all right so you know, you're writing kids' books, so what elements do you believe, what elements of writing a children's book are, you know, do you think are important to incorporate for, you know, messaging or pictures or language when you have a child, you know, audience that are children? Yeah, I think, um, I think one thing that's very helpful, one of the most important things I would say is to, to really, like, have somebody specifically in mind as you're sort of writing the story like I don't mean write it for a person but think about actual children um you know think about them kind of receiving the story and how they'll respond to it try to make it as personal and specific as you can in your own mind rather than just kind of like abstractly writing a children's story um and uh yeah I think I think writing out of your own experience is is really important. I know that's like a big writing cliche, yeah. but but I I mean I don't know that can be kind of scary or or maybe like in my case sometimes I thought I didn't I don't really have a really crazy like wild upbringing you know like I had a fairly boring status quo upbringing so like what you know like what do I have to offer in the way of writing awesome you know children's novels but I think writing out of your own experience is is like is the best way to go and and sort of believe believing that you have something valuable to say you know yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think even like, you know, fantasy and, you know, that's obviously you don't experience going to a different world or something, but you can always put elements of what you know into relationships and, you know, um, yeah, experiences absolutely. and characters and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, are your sons fans of your stories? And also, do you feel like you relate them relate to them differently since you've started writing for their age? Yeah, I think definitely I have a much more distinct, clear understanding of like how kids like them will respond to the stories because I read them to them and they've read some themselves. And so I've gotten that very tangible like reaction. Um, yeah. yeah, they're <laughs> they're fans. Um, I mean, they're kind of <laughs> right. They're kind of required to be fans, right? Like, right. It's just, um, <laughs> expected of them. No, <laughs> um, I mean, they're 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 super cool as far as like how they respond to stuff they're genuinely laughing and responding to things but but also like really in a very good way um good critics you know like they they'll pick up on things that just aren't working or they'll they'll point out things about characters not behaving like consistently or things like that so um yeah it's it's pretty awesome um and i mean you know if you can like if you can make your your kids laugh that's like the best thing in the world right. so yeah it's like a it's like a goal like motivator <laughs> of course all right so we kind of ended the first part of the interview and we're going to move on to what we call our quirky cues um they're kind of fun questions um random to some degree but here we'll i'll get started with one um so what book world do you wish you could live in oh man i heard this on, on one of your episodes and uh <laughs> And I was like, I was like driving and I was stumped. Um, so I, I'm like, oof. I, okay, so this is not like a definitive answer. It would probably change tomorrow. But for some reason, like, I think the 100 acre wood would be pretty awesome. Um, oh, that's a good you one. You know, yeah. like, it's just that like carefree, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a perfect answer for a children's author. <laughs> I know. It's kind of cliche. Um, yeah. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's homey. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what? Okay, so back to Pixar. What is your favorite Pixar movie? Uh, okay. Um, I I think I just keep coming back again and again to Wally, and I don't know yeah. why exactly, but um, but it's I just love Wally. Wally's hmm. great. Wally. <laughs> yes. He's my dude. <laughs> um, and your fa- What was your favorite book growing up? Ah, oh, boy, 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 boy. I don't know. That's a tough answer. Um, or a tough question to answer. I'm going to, I'm drawing a blank. I remember reading a lot of like mysteries, you know, yeah. uh, I loved Encyclopedia Brown and, and as I got a little bit older, the Hardy Boys and things like oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I loved like the mystery, like who done it. And then there's a like, at the end, there's a resolution and you figure it all. I still love detective stories, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who is, do you, or do you have a favorite children's author? I have told people before, mostly kidding, but not totally, that I would love to be Kate DiCamillo. Um, she is... Uh, Amazing. Um, Katie Camillo, like the Tale of Despero and um, oh, yeah. she, she written Because of Winn-Dixie, um, Magician's Elephant. Um, yeah, she has such, 
I, I love her, her vision and the way she respects children. I think she, she doesn't talk down to them. She treats them as, as people who are worthy of good stories. But, um, but from a writing standpoint, like her prose is just so like effortlessly perfect. You know, I'm sure it's not effortless, but that's, that's the way good prose is, right? I mean, you think, oh my gosh, they're just, how does it come so easily? But it's, yeah, she's great. Kate DiCamillo. I don't think I've ever read anything by her. It's good. Good stuff. <laughs> so, uh, next one. Do you believe in the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> yeah, sure. I think so. <laughs> I think there's uh, there's definitely more out there than we know about. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> what superpower would you like to have? If you could have any. Superpower. Um... Something involving being able to eat a lot <laughs> without, any, a good one. without yeah. any consequence. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a superpower. That's kind of lame, right? It's kind of. Do you have a favorite character from literature? Uh, I love Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, <laughs> Like, I don't love the whole, like, miser thing, but I guess I just love the arc that he undergoes, you know? The development um, of the character. Yeah. Um, I, we, just, uh, we just watched the movie a couple weeks ago about, there was sort of like a fictitious retelling of his writing, of, of uh, Dickens' writing of A Christmas Carol. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a good story. And, uh, and so I like Scrooge. I mean, you know, I don't love the whole, like, let them all die thing, but, right. you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah <laughs> but I, I, I like the transformation. I like that. Right. Yeah. Good. Good character development. It's always good. Okay. And last one. Do you read the last page of the book before the end? Oh, sorry. No. Second to last one. No. Um. You mean like do I do I want to know where it's going? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Like, do you want to know the ending before you finish it? <sighs> no. I'm like I hate spoilers, man. Like I will. Uh, I will do anything to avoid. Like I'll like not read any movie reviews because I know I'm going to see a movie. Like I don't want to know That's anything. Good. I want to be yeah. totally surprised. I'll never forget when I was teaching years ago when one of the X Men movie came out. The movies came out that uh, Professor Xavier died in. I don't remember which one that was. This was a long yeah. time ago. It came out on like a Memorial Day weekend, and so I walked into school on the day after Memorial Day. And, like walk into my first class, and like the first thing I hear out of my mouth is, "I can't believe Professor Xavier oh, died." No. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you know that kind of ruined for so you. So no, yeah. I want to go. I'm along for the ride, man. I want to be taken wherever the author wants to take me <laughs> without <laughs> knowing good. anything. Yeah, <laughs> I like to make sure the ending's happy sometimes. <laughs> I know, I know that would be. I should, yeah, I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so, our last question. So, if you were to write a book about yourself, what would you name it? Oh, man. I would name it... (laughs) (laughs) I want to come up with something really epic, but I'm I'm not very good at titling. So, um, the first thing that came to mind, really, and I guess that's the spirit of these questions, right, is like rapid fire, no chance to think, (laughs) um, would be like something like, he tried. Um, (laughs) But that oh, sounds no. that sounds more like an epitaph or something. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the, the man who tried. I don't know. Yeah. The man like who did. The man, that's right. That's a little that's more much, positive, right? Much more positive. Absolutely. The man who did. That's right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 
All right. So you, you did have an excerpt you were going to share with us. Yeah, I could. I'd love to if you would. Yeah, wouldn't mind. would love it. Yeah. Um, read a little bit from the very beginning of the the misadventured summer of Tumbleweed Thompson. Okay. Um. So this is narrated by a boy named Eugene Appleton, who's twelve years old. <clears throat> Pretty near everyone in Rattlesnake Junction acquired at least one memorable Tumbleweed Thompson story that misadventured summer. Myself, I've got a pocket full. Matter of fact, the yarns I acquired have served me quite nicely as I've pulled them out and sorted through them in my days since. Of all the scrapes involving me and tumbleweed, I reckon the best place to start would be the one involving the tonic. After all, it's the one that brought us together, so that's where I'll begin. It was the summer of my twelfth year, and I was itching for something to happen. We'd arrived in Rattlesnake Junction, Colorado, four years earlier, and I'd watched the town grow up around me. Buildings hammered together all manner of ranchers, miners, and grizzled cowpokes kicking up dust as they rode through town with tales of cattle drives and silver strikes. Of course, all this was happening while Eugene Appleton, that would be me, was watching from the front porch. It seemed as if I so much as thought about wading into the wild waters of frontier life. Ma would be on me in a flash. Even today, I can picture her hickory-handled switch resting in the corner of the kitchen, exerting its singular, terrifying influence on me. Just the sight of it was enough to make my hind parts ache. All the daring do I'd experienced to that point was courtesy of Deadeye Dan, Frontier Marshal and Crackerjack Marksman, the hero of a whole set of dime novels to which I was keenly devoted. Contrasted to Deadeye Dan's exploits, my real life was as dry as a gulch. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. When So if it does get funded, when can we expect it to possibly see it on uh, like, this, Amazon? Yeah, this fall is the plan okay, uh, cool. to uh, to have it out and everywhere you can find books. So All right. quick, quick, oh, quick question. Where can people find like your Kickstarter? Where, where does oh, yeah. it go? Yeah, probably the best place, place would be my website, um, which is just glennmccarty.com. There's, um, there's just a link right over to the campaign page right there, and I'd I'd be much obliged if they go check it out. <laughs> very cool. Cool. Well, I hope you get fully funded. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you for joining us, Glenn, and have a great night, okay? Yeah, thanks a lot, you guys. This was a blast. I, I, and I love what you guys are doing with this. I, I love listening to the show, and I can't wait to see, uh, see what the future holds for you guys. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, and that's another episode of Rock Rights. Thanks for listening. To learn more, please check out our website at www.rockrights.com. We hope you enjoyed learning about one of our local authors. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be interviewing local fantasy author Armin Pogarian, who often writes with a scientific and historical twist. Until then, happy reading! <laughs>